From the people who brought you Dollar Shave Club and MeUndies comes... The Worst Case Scenario Kit. Do you feel scared? Overwhelmed? Concerned? Appalled? Hopeless? Apocalyptic? Undead? Unsure what to wear in case of constitutional emergency? Take one item off your to-do list as we descend into doom. Let us pack your customized emergency getaway kit, item by item. The Worst Case Scenario Kit is a monthly... No, we changed it. A bi-weekly... Oh, we actually just got the new copy. It's daily now. Okay, look, it's a subscription box. We'll send you everything you need in case of a worst-case political scenario, whether it's a nuclear war, a civil war, or a world war. Every day is a different nightmarescape. We could send you anything from a fire blanket to a fake passport. And don't worry, everything we send you will fit into a fashionable, undersized backpack that won't weigh you down when you run into the woods to escape an authoritarian figurehead. Plus, the backpack will complement your jeans even when you rip them climbing over a barbed wire fence. With the worst case scenario kit, you can finally afford to worry about other things, like your kid's haircut, or your unfettered and reckless case of IBS. Or how to make men stop talking about Hillary Clinton's emails while all of our systems of checks and balances are purposefully trampled by an ignorant serial rapist who cares more about appeasing Nazis than not taking credit for a natural disaster. For an extra $2 a month, we'll throw in a taser shaped like a vape pen. It's scented. And for an extra five, we'll send you a limited edition fidget spinner with detachable blades. Fascism comes at you fast, but you know what comes at you faster? Our artisanal perfume that doubles as a pepper spray. The worst case scenario kit. Because they said life would be hard, but they didn't tell us there would be Nazis. Again. Over the last couple years, the political climate in the US has become increasingly scary. People of color are under attack. Queer and trans people are under attack. Women's rights, you guessed it, they're under attack. The post-election vibe amongst young women is, this sucks, I wanna help, but how? My name is Jill Gutowitz. And I'm Carmen Rios. We're bringing together your favorite stars with politicians, activists, and analysts to talk current issues, US government, and activism. We're all about life, liberty, and the pursuit of wokeness. This is The The Bossy Bossy Show. Coming up, we're chatting with comedian Michael Ian Black. As our nation slowly dissolves into authoritarianism, we're going to break down what's been in the news and what it all means. So we have a lot going on this week, which we say literally every week, because every week there's a lot going on um, in this hell nightmare scape uh of a presidency um this week this past week um as we're recording this was the first presidential pardon of the trump presidency he pardoned joe arpaio sheriff joe arpaio this piece of shit who cares how you say his name yeah sheriff Um, joe trash 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 sheriff sheriff joe trash he pardoned a racist version of oscar the grouch that's all oh my god um and uh let's see also charlottesville was a thing that occurred um, we also well, are on currently dealing with, as we record this, the early moments of Hurricane Harvey, um, and Trump is not doing anything. Um, I'm hoping that this does not uh, turn out as badly as Katrina, obviously, um, but so far we've seen Trump literally try and take credit for <laughs> right? the power of the, the storm. 
Um, I'm just calling dibs on taking credit for when California splits off from the U.S. and falls into the ocean because that's my brand. Oh, my God. Um, I also saw today uh, that Trump said that the ratings for uh, when he pardoned the sheriff weren't as high as he was expecting them to be. That he was doing it also at that specific time when a hurricane was hitting Texas because... It would help boost his ratings. So good, good thing so we're thinking about ratings w- yeah. while pardoning a like literal racist. A lot know, of R's, a lot of R's lot of going R's. on. Raids, ratings, and there's a giant storm that has like seventeen feet of. Okay, yeah. Um, so it seems as though uh, we are finally drifting. Or I would say we were drifting towards authoritarianism. Now I feel we are In the there. Eye of the storm. Oh my god. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, the presidential pardon was really scary to me because it was really Trump flexing his muscles, saying, "I can pardon whoever I want," and there's no. Yeah. No one's gonna say anything. It was a will. McConnell I mean, didn't say anything. It's a willful disregard for the law, too. Like he's pardoning That's, a guy who literally used the phrase "concentration camps" to describe his prison. Yeah. Who if you, like if you made don't know, people sit outside in a tent city while their shoes melted off in Phoenix, Arizona, in day and night in extreme weather. Yeah. Like, if if you don't know who Sheriff Joe, um, piece of shit Pio is, <laughs> uh, he was basically arrested for racial profiling and yeah he was actually he was so he was charged with racial profiling and told he had to stop he was found in contempt of court for literally refusing to stop racially profiling people and then he was apparently assigned a like monitor like someone from the federal government had the job of following this douchebag around and making sure he wasn't being racist because that was just how out of control racist he was and in the I mean and Donald Trump's just like he was treated unfairly blah 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 and it's like really because I think it was probably really unfair about the way that he would literally try to hurt kill and raid groups of Latino people in Arizona right and um, he's garb he's literal garb and I feel like it's just I know that what scared most people is the idea that a people do think that there will be more pardons. Yeah, I mean, mm. I think this was kind of like a taste of what's to come. Like he's practicing. Oh, so this works. Now I can do this for when the Russia shit really comes to a head. Well, I also feel like he was trying to make some sort of weird. Like we already know, Sheriff Joe said multiple times that Donald Trump had never reached out to him. Like we know this was not. He didn't have like a personal vested interest in this man. They weren't friends. They weren't colleagues. They didn't work together. They had never even spoken across paths. But um, I mean, we do know that after Charlottesville, where Donald Trump was like, Nazis are kind of bad. No, Nazis are really bad. No, actually, Nazis aren't that bad. He then came out and was like, and by the way, totally down with the like super racist sheriff dude who. I mean, is now claiming his innocence, but you can't claim innocence and get pardoned, bitch. Bitch. I'm just looking at our notes, which Carmen wrote, and there's a line My that just says, a literal that's Nazi what I was going to- lives in the White House, bye. A literal Nazi lives in the White House, well, bye. Well, because I think it's also like, okay. Wait, also, all of the- si- also the note, side note, everyone should punch a Nazi today. Please, 
Everyone punch a Nazi today. Um, I I have a lot of aggression. I have a lot of like emotion built up in me at this time in my life as we are recording, and I am just thinking about how great it would be to punch a Nazi. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do also feel like it's interesting that Sheriff Joe happened after some notable Nazis cruised on out. Like we've got, you know, Sheriff Joe. Like that, Steve Bannon wasn't there. Stephen Miller once again has crawled underground into a hole. <laughs> Um, to his home. Gorka is out. <laughs> uh, like, all of the people that we were comforting ourselves, I feel like there's that level of, like, we're comforting ourselves, we're all trying to convince ourselves that Donald Trump is a puppet on someone's strings. And all of the string, mm-hmm. all of the puppet masters that Have we were... Have been snipped? Yeah, they're gone, and he still did it. Like, he made the decision without asking anyone to do it. He wanted to do it. He alone is the problem. Yeah. He said he alone could fix it. But he alone is actually just a Nazi. It's fine. There's also, speaking to authoritarianism, um, Trump, the administration is lifting limits on providing, uh, what is this, surplus military? On selling military equipment to uh, police. Great. Which was an Obama-era thing that happened after Ferguson. Because, I mean, I think a lot of us can remember, if people cannot remember, because they are younger than me and we don't have to talk about it. Um like Ferguson, there was a lot of militarized police that came out to protests when the Black Lives Matter movement was really taking shape there after the killing of Michael Brown. And I mean, studies have shown that giving police military equipment makes no one feel safer and makes cops more likely to use force and act sort of extraneously violently. So Donald Trump's like, let's move ahead. I would also just like to remind everyone who has seen The Handmaid's Tale that military equipment for police does mean scary men standing around with machine guns is a possibility for our government. I just feel like for me, I'm always like, wow, that literally happened in The Handmaid's Tale. Like, yeah. Well, which also happens just at, you know, your daily, everyday protests now. Yeah, I mean, the Charlottesville protests had our militia, and we did see that the militia. cops, the cops I can't in Virginia literally said they I couldn't believe, contain them because they had better guns than them. I cannot believe we're in a place to use the word militia when we're not reading out of a history book. But um, another thing that I was really jarring to me, and this isn't like an action uh, statement, but was still nonetheless really scary, um, was when Rex Tillerson... Sex Tillerson. Sex Tillerson thank you. Uh was went on I don't know CNN some fucking show and said <laughs> he spoke he was on a camera and he who spoke. cares anymore um and said when asked if the president speaks for America he said the president speaks for himself yeah and then made it clear was sort of like I released my own statement the agencies have released their own statements so I mean yeah and I think I remember when we were talking about that that it reminded me of. The headline, out of all of the headlines that have left me shook, the headline that left me the most shook was the one that where the people who haven't resigned yet from Trump's administration in any way, whether it's working for the bigger agencies or working directly in the White House, were like, you have no idea how much crazy shit we kill. And it's just like wild to imagine that Donald Trump is acting on his own accord and now even like he's not consulting his employees and this isn't the first time that sex tillerson or jeff never sexton has taken um also known as attorney general jeff sessions yes have taken different stances than him and publicly and said you know his twitter is his own his 
his views are his own. His statement is his own. So it's sort of like that was Rex Tillerson's way of saying the State Department is not going to stand for whatever weirdo white supremacist bullshit um, Trump stands for, which to his credit, like, I don't really know whether or not Sex Tillerson is a white supremacist or just one of the guys responsible for the fact that our earth is about to turn into a brittle rock. <laughs> brittle rock. <laughs> like, I, to his credit, I don't know if he's like a white nationalist. Yeah, there's he's like just levels. A huge jerk. There's levels. It's like Nazi and then white supremacist and then contributing to, you know, the demise of the republic. Just a jerk, just a Republican. Like <laughs> oversaw a large oil spill. Like I, you know, yeah. there's like, yeah, it's chill. We are here with Michael Ian Black. Hi, Michael. How are you? I'm super. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. Uh, so. Carmen has something she wants to say before we get this really going. Yeah, before we begin, I just have to make an official announcement, which is that when Timothy Simons from Veep was on the show, Jill declared publicly that he was her favorite straight white guy on Twitter. So I'm going on the record to make it official that, Michael Ian Black, you are my favorite white dude on Twitter. Congratulations. Sweet. I really appreciate that. And I noticed that you didn't add the caveat uh Straight, which means of all the white dudes, gay, straight, or whatever, mm-hmm. I'm your favorite. I do. That is still true. Yeah. I, I, I love that. I, I feel like I'm being thrown under a bus. I just want to say that you are also <laughs> one of my favorite <laughs> white guys on Twitter. Or just white guys. I mean, look, I'm not, I, I, I'm Twitter friends with uh, Timothy. We don't know each other. Um, mm-hmm. But because I follow him on Twitter, I can say unequivocally, my Twitter account is better. <laughs> Um, okay, so with that out of the way, all of our drama <laughs> out of the way. <laughs> no hard feelings, everything's out in the open. Um, so, Michael, you've been obviously uh, politically active um, for a really long time. What do you think, um, as somebody who has been, is the scariest part of what's going on right now in Trump's America? There's so much to Which choose Which I think from. is the most serious part? The scariest part. Oh, the scariest part. The cheeriest um, part. Also well, interested of, in that. I, 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 there's a couple uh, answers. On a macro and a, a kind of big, uh, wide scale uh, lens, you could say that the scariest part is the um, broad assault on the institution of the presidency itself. And what I mean by that is he is redefining in what I would say is a uh, terribly negative way what it means to be the president of the most powerful nation in the world. And so that means he is uh, isolating us. He's making us, he's both isolating us and making us smaller. And maybe that's the same thing, but he's making us smaller uh, in a, in, 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 in every way. So, the world is no longer looking to the United States of America for uh, leadership in any capacity, <laughs> whether it's moral leadership or uh, strategic leadership or uh, financial, well, maybe still financial leadership. <laughs> but where once we were leading, now we're just kind of off in our own 
little uh, satellite kind of orbiting the rest of the world. That, and, and that's, uh, I think, bad. Internally, um, he is redefining the presidency in terms of uh, what we expect from the president. So he's, he's profiting from the presidency, which I think most people find abhorrent and disgusting. Um, he's belittling, demeaning, intimidating, and insulting uh, the people that he leads uh, on an almost daily basis, either by name or by category. And he is um, he is the least eloquent uh, speaker that we've ever had, which maybe <laughs> sounds like a superficial thing, but when you're looking for leadership, you want somebody who can speak in a clear voice about whatever issue it is that's going on. Right. Um, so that's a macro view. And a micro view, depending on who you are, you may actually feel targeted by this president. You personally may feel targeted. Yeah. Is there uh, recently um, a shocking moment that sticks out to you? Um, like, I mean, like, obviously there's like the Sheriff Joe I mean, Arpaio. You mean today? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, like, what's been the wildest? I know it's like impossible to remember more than a few days back, <laughs> but like, has there been a singular event or moment that you feel like it's like shocked you the most, left you the most shook? Well, there's no longer anything in particular that he can say that shocks me <laughs> um, because I expect nothing from him. I don't expect any, um, I don't expect him to say anything that's going to make me feel better about him or about uh, his policies or anything else. So, no, what continues to shock me is the silence from people who should know better, from right. people who should be standing up to him. Um, and the only people who really can hold him accountable, and those are people within his party. So the fact that he pardoned Sheriff Joe Arpaio, and he did it under the cover of this hurricane, and he did it um, against, uh, without advice from the Justice Department, um, so he does that. And, and Sheriff Joe Arpaio, by, by, from everything I've read, is... is a monster. A horrible human being. Yeah, like an actual terrible an human being. An actual human monster. <laughs> <laughs> so he does that, and he kind of said he was going to do it, and then he did it. And then we don't hear anything from Mitch McConnell, for example, who is the really the, 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 the co-head of his party. He's, he's, he's essentially the head of Congress right now, yeah. both uh, the Senate and the House of Representatives. And, and to this date, uh, now we're talking Monday late, uh, on my time, he has not said a word about it. Um, we've heard a couple squeaky denunciations from some Republicans, one the mildest uh, uh, reproval from Paul Ryan, but but nobody, or not enough people in his party are saying enough. Not enough people are saying no. And there's a lot of reasons for that, um, but the primary reason, from my point of view, is cowardice and greed. And uh, so the extent to the extent to which cowardice and greed um, seems to rule in Washington D.C. at least on one party's side from from it, at this particular moment in time has been a continual shock to me. Is there anything that you think 
Is like, this interview funny enough for you? I mean, are you loving? How funny <laughs> yeah. <it is? laughs> Just diving deeper into darkness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, is there anything like what is the line? Like, is there ever going to be a moment? Do you think? that Republicans... Does Paul will... Ryan have boundaries? Yeah, like, <laughs> what would be a shocking enough thing for these people to finally, you know, speak out? Because for me, a lot of those moments have already passed that I thought, yeah, oh, this for sure. And gone. Yeah. I mean, moment after moment after moment after moment. So at this point, no, I don't think there's anything. Um, the only thing that will seem to motivate them to action is uh, fearing for their own careers and futures um when when does that happen i don't know i have no idea i think it'll happen it'll happen and i think when it happens it'll happen swiftly um at least i hope so but Mm -hmm. it's not going to be because it's not going to be because they suddenly uh sprouted a moral compass it's going to be because they have fear for their own careers and nothing else yeah um so when this airs this will air i mean i don't think for two weeks um, so I'm sure a shit ton of other things will have yes. happened and the hurricane will have come and passed. But, you know, I just wanted to talk about that, obviously, because that's happening right now. How does this um, Hurricane Harvey and the way that Trump is dealing with it or, you know, not really compare to Bush and Katrina? Does it compare? Well, I think it's important to note that the head of FEMA, this guy named Brock Long, I think, uh, seems to be doing a good job. And look, I'm in no position to judge, but it, it, uh, it seems like uh, in this case, Trump appointed a capable manager and that he's doing what he's supposed to be doing, as opposed to George W. Bush, who appointed um, an utter, utterly unqualified head of FEMA. Uh, and, the, and, and, and that guy, fairly or unfairly, and again, I'm not in a position to judge, took the, the, the majority of the blame for the catastrophe that was Katrina. So obviously at this point we're still early in the Harvey story and in, in it may end up being a worse story in some ways than Katrina um, just because of the, just the sheer volume of, of people affected. Um, but I would say Trump, you know, it seems to me like if you're the president and I don't mean this to be glib But dealing with a hurricane or a natural disaster in some ways seems like it would be kind of the easiest thing you do because (laughs) because there's state and local authorities who are the primary responders to it. And then they basically just ask for money and compassion and empathy and you provide it. Right. Um, Unfortunately, compassion and empathy are (laughs) not this guy's strong suit. He's (laughs) capable of either of those things. Devoid of both. Devoid of both of those things. So... One of the phrases that you keep hearing is comforter-in-chief, and he's going to Texas uh, tomorrow, Tuesday, to do what? I don't know, but I understand that that's a ritual that presidents do. Um, But one of the things they do, and the primary thing they do, I guess, when they go to visit disaster areas or sites of of tragedy, is to be a comforting and assuring voice to the people affected and and to the nation at large. I don't have any faith that he (laughs) has the capability as a human being to provide that. Uh, he's never shown empathy for literally anybody uh, before. Not, not, I mean, not even really his children. I've never seen him, him be demonstrably loving to his children other than uh, in a kind of leering way towards his oldest daughter. Uh, yeah, so, you know, I don't, I don't have any high hopes for him. 
tomorrow when he goes there. Um, but it, but at this point, I'm no, I'm not rooting against him in the sense that I want him to do a bad job. I'm 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 more rooting for um, the nation to just kind of survive this. Yeah. So you wrote um, a book with Megan McCain, um, America, you sexy bitch, um, where you traveled across the country and talked to people with different perspectives. And obviously you and her had different perspectives. Does that idea even exist now? Like, could that book idea even be happening right now? Or is it too polarized? Um, you know, it's funny because when we wrote it in 2011, 12, um, the country felt very polarized. Yeah. It really felt like the reason we were doing it was because the country was so polarized. Um, and it's gotten so much worse since then. I don't think you could do it now. I don't think I would do it now. Like, in the who, sense that I don't think I, I don't have any interest in going around and talking to Trump voters yeah. and being like, but really, aren't we Thank all just one big happy family? Yeah, no, um, we're not. And the reason that I'm un, I would be unwilling to do it at this point is because there was only one consistent message in the Trump campaign. There was no consistent policy. There was no consistent vision. There was no consistent oration. There was no consistent anything other than uh, racism and exclusion. Yeah. And so I'm not saying that if you voted for Trump, you those are those are your primary ideals. But you had to be you had to be okay enough with them to cast your lot with this guy. So I'm not in a I'm not in a place in my life where I'm like, well let's let's figure out where we have common ground. Right. Because that the ground that I thought we had in common I I I no longer believe that we do. Yeah. I don't know if I we've talked about this before, Carmen and I. Like I, I don't know I don't think I subscribe to the idea of we should try and understand Trump voters like is that I think I understand Trump voters right like well that's the thing pretty well <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I think, think I know do. what they're all about what matters to them like yeah. it's not policies like I, I don't really get the like the New York Times does this constantly of the like idea of you know let's talk to Trump voters and see what they think now like no. do they regret it like what you know whatever it is it's like <laughs> I don't I don't feel like we need that I feel like we know what exactly what you said what they want and who they are and yeah. there is and, no and, common you know, one of the one of the rights. things that I've thought a lot about in 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 the wake of this is is I should say I've thought about and I've learned a lot about the idea of racism for example and this can be applied to sexism too I think but but it's maybe more clearly delineated in racism isn't generally as um, blatant as I think all whatever groups are bad, when, and I think uh, my group is superior. Now, in the case of the United States of America, you, you it, 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 you're kind of can only really talk about white people. So you can't really. I don't think it's as blatant as saying somebody saying I think white people are superior in general. But I do think that everyday racism not only exists but flourishes and thrives in this country because it has been set up 
as a kind of haven for uh, white people. It's it's just structurally designed for white people to succeed. Um, yeah. Or you could say it's structurally designed for people who aren't white to have a harder time in success. And so when you look at things like um, what's going on in Houston right now with the hurricane, and you see people of all different ethnicities coming together and helping one another, it doesn't... That, and you know that a lot of those people are Trump voters, for example. Yeah. Um, it doesn't surprise me or shock me or, or jar my belief about what's going on in this country to see white people helping black people, black people helping white people, because I think on a one-to-one basis, we all kind of can get along fine. Um, when, when people are kind of personalized in that way, I think we generally do get along okay. But when it comes to, to sort of uh, deeply held biases and beliefs that you may have, even if you're not entirely conscious of them, a kind of discomfort that you have with certain groups, a kind of discomfort um, that you may have with people who are in whatever way other than you, those biases, if unexamined, and I think most of us, myself included, don't examine them as closely as we might, can lead someone to support somebody who's giving voice to those biases. Even if you go, well, I don't agree with um, the kind of way he said something, or I don't agree with that sentiment, the fact that you're willing to vote for him says to me that on some level, there is a part of you that is agreeing with it, even if you don't act that way in your day-to-day life. Like you're fine with it. Not even so much that you're fine with it, but there's some sort of lizard brain part of you <laughs> that's going that's kind of that's kind of getting delighted by this language right you know that's kind of secretly going he said and i think that's what they mean when people said he he said he tells it like it is because nobody's ever lied more on the campaign trail yeah. than this guy nobody's ever been mid- more disingenuous except for that one consistent <laughs> message very honestly racist yeah yeah kind yes. of yes I'm just like giggling to myself thinking about like who would have do the America You Sexy Bitch tour now. Like, would it be like you and Tommy Lauren? Like, <laughs> could you yeah, imagine? it probably would be. Except I, that's not that's not a trip I would take. Exactly. Like, imagine being on a bus or whatever with Tommy Lauren for yeah, that, hours. That, anyway. Yeah, that that would that wouldn't happen. Yeah, it doesn't seem fun. Yeah. No, it really doesn't. <laughs> I mean, you know. Megan, who I did the the trip with, uh, she's obviously John McCain's daughter, and uh, and we're still good friends. And one of the things that really drew me to her is that um, she's always identified as a Republican, always identified as a conservative, um, and is very willing to listen and hear and adapt her beliefs. And I think she's better at it than I am. Uh, and I really. I, I feel like I learned a lot from hanging out with her, mm-hmm. um, just about having the capacity to be open to different points of view, and that was really helpful for me. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite things that I see you do consistently on Twitter is, um, you know, there's like obviously this whole <laughs> idea of the liberal elite, and you know, people will always tweet and troll and be like. Um, they'll just say stupid things and you'll always correct their grammar. Uh-huh. And I've seen you <laughs> get torn apart for being oh, like, oh, really? You have to 
you have to correct my grammar, you can't even have a conversation, like, whatever it is, like, do you, <laughs> this is such a dumb, like, rhetorical question, but, like, do liberals have to dumb themselves down <laughs> to, like, relate to, like, to find common ground? Like, why is that an argument? Does that make no, sense? No, of course not. And um, there is a strong tradition of uh, conservative intellectualism yeah. that has gone back 50, 60, however many years you want to look, it's there. And there's a strong, uh, and, and, and I, I, I might even argue that there's a stronger history of conservative intellectualism than there is liberal intellectualism. And there's reasons for that. And the primary reason is that, um, and maybe the only reason, is because about 40 years ago, um, maybe a little bit more, think tanks started getting funded by conservatives, um, these arch conservatives who wanted to lay the groundwork for what we're seeing right now. Um, there was, I think, a case to be made for conservatism as it was preached up until this election. And then the entire facade of conservatism, as it was preached, mm -hmm. was exposed as a lie. It crumbled. It crumbled. And the thing that all of, you know, the, the kind of caricature that uh, jerk-off liberals like me <laughs> would say about conservatism is that it is inherently problematic um, because it's inherently racist and it's inherently sexist. Yeah. And, it, and, 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 and the reason it's inherently those things, and you can add whatever isms you want to it, is because conservatism, by definition, is about attempting to maintain a kind of status quo or return to a kind of better time. So this is the Make America Great Again idea. Like traditionalism, um, that's, that's yeah. That's kind the of what conservatism is. Time. Right. And so the, the history of this nation, and maybe of the world, is a kind of emancipation from these prejudices that we've held. And America has historically been, well, I shouldn't say been leading the charge, but, but, but historically has been a place where um, people come to be free. And conservatism, by its nature, preaches a kind of economic freedom and a kind of personal responsibility freedom, but at the same time grasps so strongly at the past and, and clutches so tightly at what has come before that, it may, that its entire... Uh, reason for being is, 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 is to return it to a time when um, its entire reason for being rubbed goes into conflict with what it, what it espouses. And so Trump, I think, exposed that um, in a way that it, it, that has been shocking more than anything else. It really, as you said, it really crumbled the facade of conservatism. Yeah. I also feel like I have this theory that um, there was, like, the rise of the crazy GOP that kind of was initiated by Sarah Palin that mm -hmm. gave rise to and escalated into the Trump presidency. No? You don't, you don't agree? No. I, George W. Bush loved how dumb he was. Well, I was that was, like, his, I'm so dumb, I have no idea what I'm doing. Let's right. do this thing. Let's have beers together and figure it out together. And yeah. I mean, obviously, like, I now find myself disgustingly endeared to George W. Bush, want to buy his oil paintings, <laughs> but I do. But um, 
I just feel like the neocon thing, which I feel like no one ever uses that word anymore, but I remember the word neocon really vividly mm-hmm. from like yeah. the. I never understood what it meant exactly, other than they uh, wanted to invade Iraq. Yeah, I guess whatever neoliberal means now. Which yeah, I means I think means that either. people put the word neo in front of something they hate. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, so, yeah, like, I, I feel like that was, you know, the sort of... Yeah. Their standards well, yeah. have definitely been falling as a party, especially when I hear people... I feel like a lot of, like, the diehard MAGA people... I have definitely, like, wasn't it Steve Bannon who said that Donald Trump was the greatest orator of his time? <laughs> oh, I'm sure he did. I'm sure he said that. And, and in I a was way, just like, wow, wrong. like, your standard is, your bar is, like, the ground. Yeah. Right. But, but in a way, he's not wrong. In a grotesque way, he's absolutely correct. Because what Trump does is he speaks directly to the id of the worst impulses of American life. So Obama sort of did the opposite, and you and you know his his oration was incredible because he could inspire right. people. And Trump does literally the opposite, um, and it is amazing to behold. It's amazing to behold somebody utterly incapable of stringing a sentence together, somehow activating <laughs> the, the just this bile that people carry around um and it's shocking yeah okay well to wrap it up uh you know not to speak too much to um the impending doom but is is this do you feel michael that this is apocalyptic or like no how apocalyptic do you feel like like on a scale of one to build a bunker outside stop (laughs) what (laughs) i'm 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 getting to work on it on the bunker Right after the election, I was sort of figuring out where uh, I go <laughs> once uh, uh, America is at war with the rest of the world. And uh, it seemed to me that I couldn't go to Canada because Canada would get invaded by America and occupied. Oh, but that's kind of where I am. I'm at, uh, I'm at DEFCON, uh, let's say, two, yeah. where it's not one. one means full-out nuclear right. war. Um, I don't know. I don't know that I'm apocalyptic about it, for real. Um, yeah, like, my, my mom always, she'll, like, once a week check in with me and be like, I really need to get my passport renewed just in case. <laughs> but I think it, it's, like, kind of a bit, but it's also not. I've seen The Handmaid's yeah. Tale. Get your passport. Well, you know, one, <laughs> of the, one, of the funny things, one of the funny things about growing up Jewish is, as I am, Same. is that um, part of you is always, like, ready to bug out <laughs> yes. at any moment. You know, you sort of like you, you sort of like mentally have a go bag just ready to go. Yeah. Uh, and you're like, yeah, I could leave all of this tomorrow if yeah. things start <laughs> to turn south because I know what happens. And I feel like um, the country at large is starting to kind of pack their go bag yeah. and starting to think, you know, yeah, my, you know, there, there's going to come a time where it's time to go and, uh, and you don't want to, you don't want to be the last one. You don't want to be the one who has to turn the lights out. Yeah, I think uh, us Jews are neurotic by nature, which gives way to problem solvers. Like, I think I do. Like I feel like in a moment's notice, I could be like, "Okay, this is what we got to do. We got to do this. You go here. You do yeah. this. I do, I grab this. This is how we get out." You know what I mean? But like yeah, right now, I can't. We're like Jason Bourne in that way. Yes, like, <laughs> we're like MacGyver, like finding we're just, tools to. We're just trained. We're just ready. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much for being here, Michael. Um, this was great. Um, I really appreciate it. 
My pleasure. Uh, I'm sorry if it was too wonky. Oh, no, definitely not. But um, you asked me wonky questions. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. we, uh, Do I you want to crack some jokes? Like, did you yeah. have some? Well, I don't know. That's set. the thing. Like, I'm the worst person to talk about politics with. You know, if you're like expecting like a funny political conversation, because I don't know how to do that. No, we well, I mean, talk- also like the theme of the episode is like authoritarianism, and I'm very much so convinced that like we'll be living in Gilead next week, yeah. and that it is too late, and we all should have left already. So yeah, we're close. We're yeah. close. Don't we're, say that. We're, we're, we're mm-hmm. one. Uh, we're one uh, internal terrorist attack away. Oh my god. I mean, I can't watch The Handmaid's Tale because I'm like, this feels. Jill, a I need better passport away. photos before we go. <laughs> <laughs> you just be more attractive. Yeah. Well, I'm blonde now. We need to get hot <laughs> before oh, the nuclear winter. <laughs> I hope I get hot before the nuclear winter happens. <laughs> um, okay. Thank you so much, Michael. You can follow Michael on Twitter at Michael Ian Black, and you can see him on Wet Hot American Summer 10 Years Later on Netflix streaming now. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Yes. That's all for this episode of The Bossy Show. Make sure to tune in next week. This is the part where we urge you to get involved, to take action right now to make a difference. What we know is that the best thing we can do is keep fighting, keep resisting, and keep calling. Efforts to actually reach out to our representatives and urge them to do the right thing are working. The resistance is working. This is the fight of our lifetimes. The Capitol switchboard number is 202-224-3121. Get it tattooed on your face. Use it every day. Tell your senators and representatives that you expect them to do the right thing every single time Trump and the GOP levy attacks on women, people of color, LGBTQ folks, the disabled, specific faiths, and the poor. We know what they're doing. We know where this leads. Stay woke and stay active. Special thanks to Michael Ian Black for being on the show. Follow at The Bossy Show on Twitter, Instagram, and Tumblr for pics from inside the show and more. The Bossy Show is recorded at Sonic Pool Post Productions in Hollywood. Music by Johnny Franco and audio engineering by Drew Frost. See you next time. Jill, they can't see us. <laughs> <laughs>